Okay, everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome back, Paul. After a long break, how's it been, man? I had to come back just for Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. Um, Happy you, to be you, here. How's Feels anything? Any uh, eventful life events since we last talked? Uh, no. No. Okay. Hey. No. Well, that's okay. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Gideon, how's it going, man? Doing well, man. Uh, doing well. Uh, just been grinding on Zelda. Almost got the Master Sword. I found the Master Sword. Um, nice. I just need two more spirit orbs, and mm-hmm. then I'll have enough parts to get it. Uh-huh. So, awesome. and then yeah, just been watching long ass movies. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna come back to you in a second because you're gonna tell me about a double feature you had at the theater. Uh, I'm gonna throw it to Neil. Neil, how's it going, man? Well, you know, um, I've been grinding on Zelda too, but in a totally different mm. way than Gideon. If you know what I'm nice. talking about. Nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, um. Neil, quick, th- uh, quick, off the top of your head, hottest video game character, go. Uh, shit. If you say some fucking space marine dude, I'm gonna be. <laughs> look, look, I, I wouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, top of my head. Uh, god damn it! Okay, this should I'll be come back easier you. for you. To... Okay. <laughs> Alex Prince, how's it going this week, man? Uh, good. Cleopatra, sip six. <laughs> oh that's a good that's a good pick i wouldn't have thought like of civilization leaders as like you know but i totally understand no, the no, leader no. the animations in the leader scenes of um civ games are phenomenal so yeah. it's his hottest video game character and his celebrity hall pass uh actually uh the latest expand theodora Check it out. Google Theodora Civ Six. Theodora, which uh, which civilization? Uh, she's got to be um, Byzantium, I would imagine, right? Mm, okay. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yep. Uh, or, or Eastern Roman. Eastern Roman. Eastern Roman. Roman yeah, Constantinople. Okay. Uh, Are these well, the people with the war elephants? No, it'd be more like um, Basil, or it's like the leftovers of the Roman Empire after the fall of Rome. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Life is good, Sam. It's like that week before everyone leaves and you can just tell people are checking out. Like we made it to Tuesday and like Wednesday, it's like half the people don't show up for the morning meeting. So. Nice. Just coasting. Feels good. Oh, yeah, yeah knock, out, knock out some easy stuff. <laughs> Maybe go on some long walks. Nice. Love it. Yeah. Um, I um, posted my answer in the chat. Uh, I don't know if she actually has a name, but or no, uh, Janestra... Omofali Mios, leader of the Lumeris faction in Endless Space. (laughs) Neil, this is just a fish. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck is (laughs) that? That's awesome. You know, I've been, um, the new um, software I've been using to upload the podcast that allows it to be um, hosted for everybody has also started allowing me to add episode art. Um, which I was going to make, you know, like a picture of Blade Runner 2049 today for the episode, but I think I'm just going to put that weird fish lady as the episode art. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, That's well, I, you know what? I asked, so... Um... <laughs> this is Alex's fault. He sent me a YouTube video of a very attractive woman uh, catching a giant catfish by hand. And uh, you know what? It woke something in me. 
<laughs> you, you fell down a rabbit hole. You know what? I also saw that video and my may or may not have saved that channel for future reference. So, yeah, you do what you gotta do. Oh, sinner. Oh, you know what I miss about living in Muscatine is um, being able to go out to a restaurant and getting catfish as the full fish with the bone and everything on it and not the fillets. Mm. I I don't think there's any place up here, Harley, that, that does that. Um, Where did you go for that? Sam, you, um, gotta get, you gotta get walleye in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll check into the whole walleye thing. I don't really remember getting into your point. I just remember, like, Lots of family restaurants had like a catfish option. Like when I was growing up, like a lot of my dad's places would have that, and it would come out on the bone and everything, and you wouldn't have to, it wasn't like the little dinky fillets. Um, so yeah, kind of missed that a little bit, but you know, I'm not like I haven't thought about that in some time. Um, anyway, uh, we are here today to talk about uh, Blade Runner 2049, the sequel, remake, reboot. Um, spinoff of the classic 1980, I want to say one or two, 1982 film. Mm -hmm. Um, I said in my review that out of out of all the um modern day sequel remake reboot hybrids that came out after the Force Awakens, uh, kind of popularized that kind of um sequel. I would say that this is probably the best one, although it is. Uh, probably the least successful one at the box office. Um, did we get Gideon's uh, double feature? Oh, do we want to talk about your double feature real quick, Gideon? Um, yeah, we can. We can. Uh, you can finish your thoughts, Sam. You know, we can. Jump oh well, I was gonna go into a quick synopsis of the movie, so go go ahead and just okay. Tell me about. It. Uh, so yeah, I <laughs> real quick just some things uh, we watched, um, or things I'm watching. Um, I'm watching this show on Netflix. I just want to mention called Dark. Which I would say, um, it seems like a German Stranger Things right now. Uh, pretty good. Um, got some cool, interesting, like other dimensional stuff or like time travel type okay. stuff. I love that shit. Um, but then more importantly, uh, I was surprised by my girlfriend. She got me and my buddy tickets to see Oppenheimer and because he hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. And so we saw that. And that was great, uh, minus, you know, it was just us in the theater, so that was super hype. Mm-hmm. We got to just experience the whole thing, just uh, just us. But, again, it had that issue where it felt like the half the speakers weren't, like, on all the way or something. <laughs> so it was, like, kind of a quiet Oppenheimer viewing, which was yeah. weird. But uh, still awesome, loved it, loved seeing it again in theater. And then later, uh, we just kind of all decided as a group to see Godzilla minus one again. Nice. Austin and his girlfriend hadn't seen it, and me and Alyssa loved it. So we saw it, and then it did feel like they had the speakers really kicked in and going strong. But these fuckers, it was literally like us, us four people, and then like four people that decided to sit right behind us, and then like two people way in the back. And the people that sat behind us, of course, they talked like the entire movie and were just super annoying and just I could hear them whispering the whole time. And so that was aggravating, but luckily like Godzilla drowned him out every time he was Yeah. Playing. So we still had a lot of fun and uh, I'm happy I could do <laughs> like when we were going into Godzilla, I was like, Hell yeah, sequel to Oppenheimer, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, still an still an eight out of ten for you, you think? 
No, I mean, after, so after seeing Godzilla minus one and then kind of binging some Godzilla movies, it, it's like a nine five or something. It's, okay. it's a perfect, if you want a perfect monster movie, this is it. Like it's, okay. it's so awesome. I love minus one. Okay. So th- it's not very often that I, I don't think it's very often that people have movies that they like, like, and then they, um, generally speaking like people aren't more positive on movies over time they don't like warm up to them like if anything like mm-hmm. things get worse um right but that's in- that's interesting that you had that reaction i like yeah. history boys <laughs> right yeah yeah um although I, do... oh, go ahead. I was i was very i was i was so happy that the night we were all like watching a razor head and, ch- and talking in the chat and everybody was like I'm I'm so fucking pissed right now. We're like, what the fuck is this? And then, uh, you know, like when we all reviewed it, I think we all gave it threes and fours. I was very I was very very happy about that. Like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm glad that it's gonna wind up like pretty high on the list, probably in the end of the year rankings. So oh, that's, yeah. that'd be great. Um, yeah, I don't not... know if it's top five, but it'll probably crack the top fifty. <laughs> yeah, not not that I need like the movies that. I suggest to end up like being high rated or anything like that. I just don't like, I don't like wasting anybody people's time. I don't want people to be mad at me for like wasting, you know, like wasting their evening or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm glad you went out. I'm sorry that you had people um, talking behind you. That's, that's always annoying. Always part of the gamble. I'd say with going to theater. Yeah. yeah. It it almost these days just feels more worth it to wait for a nice 4k for 20 Mm -hmm. bucks or whatever. But But yeah, if if it's something like Godzilla, I wanted to support it, especially it being an international movie. Mm-hmm. Godzilla is so fucking badass in that movie and awesome. Yeah. And if you wanted more bomb in Oppenheimer, you get a lot more bomb from Godzilla. So. Yeah, yeah. Atomic <laughs> Breath has never been quite so literal as in minus yeah. one. I mean, it's like oh, literally yeah. a fucking bomb goes off. It's awesome. Yeah, it's nuke. It's so uh-huh. Although I still I still think Shin Godzilla is my favorite. Oh, yeah modern mm-hmm. godzilla movie by um by a considerable margin i like minus one but shin godzilla is the shit um, it's so good so today we are going to be talking about uh blade runner 2049 as we talked about a little bit ago um brief synopsis of this movie it obviously takes place 30 years after the original blade runner events have transpired in that universe where um replicants weren't made illegal on earth after the events of the first movie um i mean they were already illegal but they were like straight out straight up outlawed and then there was like impending it it says in the opening credits that there was like an impending famine and this this company called the wallace corporation kind of came in saved the world's population from starvation by learning how to like generate protein um inorganically and then started making replicants again like got the license to the old tyrell technology and started creating more and more advanced uh, replicants to now we're at the point where um, even Blade Runners are replicants, and they're hunting down other replicants. Um, you know, it's pretty pretty crazy how far it's all come in thirty years. And we'll we'll talk about all that. Um, coincidentally, I just I just like had a little skip in my mind because I finished the um, the DLC for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and I almost. I almost uh, included a plot point that happened in the very end of that DLC as something that had happened in this movie, but I got these are two separate things. I was getting my I was getting my streams crossed with the cyberpunk. You need to, 
You need to do your baseline test is what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I need I need Neil to um void conf me for sure. If you know what I mean. Oh, I got your um, conf test right here. Hey, ooh, um so my own history with this movie, obviously I I was a massive fan of the original when this movie was announced, right? So um it was it was super psyched that, that we were getting a new Blade Runner after um 30 years now obviously i had not been waiting that long you know i only known about it for a few years prior to this um so i can't imagine how a lot of those old school fans felt where suddenly after 30 years of just getting new cuts of the old movie and reading comic books and fan fiction and that weird um that weird pc game from the 90s they randomly get this huge budget um Big name director, big name cinematographer, big name actors. Harrison Ford's back, and all of a sudden we're going to have a new Blade Runner. Um, couldn't imagine how excited they were, but I was really excited. Um, waited, uh, got my tickets, saw it the saw it opening night. Was blown away. Saw it two more times that first week. So I spent like ten hours in the theater that week watching fucking Blade Runner. It was sick. Um, that was also the first uh, the first fall that I was working uh, my first job after college. So. Um, it, and kind of like living by myself and, and things. So it was, it was, it was a cool experience for sure. Um, yeah, saw it, loved it. So I'd love to hear, um, Paul, what was your experience with this movie? You saw it, you saw it on a plane, right? No. So the, the first time I saw the movie was when it came out. I saw it in theaters with our friend Xander, uh, cause we were both bored and I had not previously seen the original Blade Runner. Uh, I had to go watch it later. But I saw it in the theaters and uh, I thought that the visuals were extremely captivating and, and like the atmosphere that's built is uh, it just like really took me away. Um, and also Ryan Gosling's uh, eyes and the sultry sounds of his voice um, also captured me as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just uh, I really fell in love with the franchise and that kind of brought me down a major cyberpunk rabbit hole and, and kind of instigated my interest in the theme uh so yeah. i think i i think i owe a lot to that fateful night in 2017 where xander mm -hmm. and i went and saw blade runner mm -hmm. um that's my experience with the film i've hung on to it ever since but i rewatched it recently on a plane which i don't recommend if you have not seen this movie you should not watch it on an airplane uh but it 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 was a five-hour flight and it was a really, really great way to knock out like two and a half hours of that five yeah. hour flight. So I'm very happy it was there for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did um, did any any other people on the plane like see you watching Blade Runner or watch the three way with the uh, replicant and the uh, the hologram and give you weird you know, looks or anything? I was thinking about. I'm not even not even lying. I was thinking about that while it was going. Not the three way scene. But just like, man, I wonder if anybody sitting around me on the plane can see that I'm watching Blade Runner and thinks that I'm cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, they hear that, like, synth come in. They can just, like, hear it behind so, their ears. So this past summer, I, I was coming back from Europe as well. And uh, my, my row was me by the window, um, a gentleman on, like, two seats away, and then his, like, 10-year-old daughter between us. And so I was being very like conscientious of the movies I chose to watch during the flight. Dad was watching The Departed and then was like mm -hmm. fumbling with like the awkward touchscreen controls to like get through the sex scenes and the violence. I was like, why are you even watching this movie, man? 
Let, mm-hmm. let me let me uh, point out an observation that I made during this trip because yes, it was a, it, I was on a trip to Europe, a five hour flight from uh, Arizona to New York, and then like was it a ten or a twelve hour flight over the pond to Germany, and then another two hour flight to Italy. Um, on every flight where there is movies, everybody only watches war movies. I don't know why that, is, but it's so like every single flight that I was on where you could watch a movie, the the people in front of me and beside me, because those are the only ones in your line of sight you can see there. At least one of them, usually more than one of them, is always watching a war movie. Always. Don't know why. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, war movies, quick, quick way to find a good movie, I think. But what is it about being on a flight that right. makes you think I want to watch a war movie? <laughs> You're just getting it's, nostalgic. Yeah, heart mortality. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so. Something to be said about that. I don't know. Maybe I'll look into that. Do you ever do that? Flight? Maybe you guys are all like the kinds of guys who are watching movies on flights, but I'm always like peeking over to see what someone else is watching. I'm always I'm doing that. Always people watching. Yeah. Yeah. I check it out a little bit just to see, like, you know, what the normies are watching these days and just, just to see what people are up to. But the last the last time I was on a flight, I brought my analog pocket and played Dragon Quest three the entire time. It was fucking Yeah, sick. see, I'm playing, I'm playing Switch usually. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Uh, this is such a tangent, but there's been this string of, like, Korean bangers that have, like, had been crossover hits. Obviously, the most recent... Oh, no, am I about to be accidentally racist? Let's say East Asian bangers was yeah. everything everywhere all at once. But what was the Korean like horror film that came out not long before that? That was a big... um, well, Par- Parasite. Parasite. I wouldn't describe that as a horror film, but yeah. Okay, I think I saw Parasite like over the shoulder in a plane, and I, the whole yeah. time I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so good. Yeah. We'll have to get to that one. That yeah, great. we we got to do that I one. Know. I would like to do. A, I would like to do that in other. Uh, Boon Jun. John Poo, what's his name? Respect for what they're doing. Over there. I think it's um, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho, that's right. See, now I'm the one who sounds racist for fucking yeah. fucking that name up really bad. Anyway, I I'll, just knew he had Bong. As his first name. Yeah, yeah, you so. would, you would, Gideon. <laughs> anyway. I love Korean cinema. What can I say, man? Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> um, what were you just talking about? Okay, so yeah, Paul, you saw it on a flight. Oh. Um, so I want to I want to get your guys' background for the movie for uh, yes. Princeton and Gideon, but then after that, remind me because I have a good watching a movie on a uh, plane story. Um, so, Princeton, what's your background with this movie? Tell me all about it. Yeah, yeah, none, none really. Um, Sam, you introduced me to Blade Runner in college. I had a lot of respect for it when we watched it, uh, and and I've seen it two or three more times since, and I've grown to be one of my favorites. I think. You know, if the sequel misses anything, it's uh, Rucker Hauer and Roy Batty. Yeah. Probably one of the best performances I've ever seen, period. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, I my recollection of Blade Runner 2049 on release was, I think, you going to watch it. I think you watched it several times. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all I knew before going. Yeah, in. I wasn't still in Cedar Falls though. It, I was in St. Cloud, and yeah, but I recall you like sharing like saw Blade Runner and then saw it again or something like that. 
<laughs> yeah, saw it like three times that first week. It was sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I assumed it was must have been pretty good. Um, yeah. And I mean, we'll get into our thoughts, but overall, I, I think it's probably mm-hmm. one of the more successful sequels of the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And last but not least, Gideon. Uh, do we also do Neil's? Oh, did. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gideon. Then I'll get to Neil. Okay. Um, so with my experience for Blade Runner, um, I think I had heard, I, I knew I was hype about it once I caught wind it had been announced and everything, but that was based off my experience with the director, Denis Villeneuve, or however mm-hmm. you say it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I think I'd seen like Arrival and that was like super hype. I really liked mm-hmm. that. I, I hadn't seen Prisoners yet at that time. Um, but just based off Arrival and I think some of maybe Sicario too, I really liked that director and I thought it was going to be sweet. And so leading up to it, um, I, I had like a, a super minor like surgery and I was like on the mend. And so I was like, I gotta watch the original before I watch the new one coming out. So mm-hmm. I know what the hell is going on. And I probably fell asleep like two, three times trying to watch the first Blade Runner. But I feel like it it is kind of a sleep movie with the like yeah. jazz soundtrack and the rain and everything. You could totally put that on to go to sleep. You, you just you just tuck yourself in your cozy little yeah. nightmare blanket and just mm, this is <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> it's you're really like, you're like Chuck movie. from Better Call Saul. You got like the space blanket on. Uh-huh. <laughs> both of them, really. Yeah, yeah, both of them, honestly. But um, so I knew I was I was really excited to watch it, and me and my buddy Austin, we always check out movies. And so I, I forget what we were checking out, but we were at the Cinemark in Davenport and they had like, you can sit in the D box chair, which if you don't know what those are, they're fucking awesome. You got to try a movie in that. It's basically like a recliner that is like a giant controller with rumble and it's synced to the action <laughs> in the movie. Cool. So really cool. I saw Batman like that, but um, anyway, so they had the trailer for 2049 there. We watched it there. But I was like, dude, this is going to be an IMAX-ass movie. So we opted mm. for IMAX instead. And to this day, I feel like I can still very vividly remember seeing it in IMAX. And on this rewatch, it just like brought me back to that same day. And yeah, it was best IMAX experience I ever had. It was incredible just seeing that world like open up to you for almost three hours. Like, mm. um, I loved it, yeah. Yeah, I, awesome. I, I could go on and on, but yeah. So Neil, you watched this for the first time uh, by mistake a couple weeks ago in lieu of Racerhead, and then you had yourself one hell of a double featured. So tell me about your experience. Uh, yeah, so I hadn't seen it before. Um, like we discussed in the original Blade Runner discussion, I've seen some variation of Blade Runner, like on, like, you know, running on TV on like a sick day when, back when I was in high school. Then we had our viewing of the final cut here. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I got on to the uh, Ryan Gosling's Literally Me train pretty early mm-hmm. with, uh, Lars and the Real Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Drive. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, I, 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 I'm a Ryan Gosling stan. I'll, I'll, I'll go to town on that. Uh, but I hadn't really, I, I don't think I'd seen anything from Denis. Villeneuve. Like I looked up his IMDb, he doesn't have a ton of stuff. It was like a bunch of like 
TV movies and like episodes of TV shows. And then he had like one movie and then he jumped into Sicario and then it was, then it was just arrival. Like, yeah. And then th- mm-hmm. they just like took off after Sicario, which I haven't seen, but I've heard people say good things about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And um, what did you watch this one? Like your laptop? Uh, no, I uh, actually bought a uh, television from Baxter a couple of years ago for mm. like probably like last summer actually. So you know, I, I've got I've got the 4K TV now, and I just uh, nice, nice, hell yeah. I just, I just got it hooked up to my uh, desktop computer. Nice. Okay. Awesome. Hell yeah. Um. Well, where do we want to start with? Um... Blade Runner 2049. I mean, it's such a huge movie that I kind yeah. of struggle to think of a place uh, to start. Uh, the, the the first thing I guess I would want to go into is I think the defining characteristic of the original movie is the world and the visuals. And so let's go into how that has evolved 30 years on. Um, now, I think in terms of obviously in terms of the technology, it's a much better looking movie from a effects and technological technological perspective which is saying something because the original movie looks damn good it looks mm-hmm. awesome i would i would argue that blade runner is the best looking movie of the pre jurassic park era the, the pre cgi era aside from maybe like the thing um but it's definitely up there it's definitely in the conversation um, i mean blade runner does more than the thing like every scene in blade runner is doing so. yeah so i don't yeah, know yeah it's 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 bonkers and it's it's extremely visually dense um but 2049 one of the, one of the best aspects of this movie is that the cinematographer is roger deakins who is the uh longtime collaborator of the coen brothers he had been nominated uh 14 times for best cinematographer and had never ever won it but he won it for this movie because um, it, it just kicks so much ass visually. I mean, there's so many iconic scenes and iconic shots. And one thing that I really do like about it is that visually, it's much more diverse than the first movie. So in, in, the, in the first movie, we're kind of just constrained to L.A. and rain, neon, some interiors, things like that. But it's mostly that that one kind of shot. It does that one thing really well. But we're kind of confined to that vision. Whereas we here we see LA 30 years on and we, we get to go back to the Blade Runner that we recognize and that's that's great. But we also see snowy dystopian environments. Mm-hmm. Um, we junk. see the desert. We see the junkyard and the, um, the orphanage in the junkyard. The Those snow scenes are so as... beautiful. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, that, that was... Uh, arguably my favorite thing about this movie is that it's not just a junkyard. It's, it's San, San Diego. Diego. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, like the vastness of there, there are some things that like the vastness of, and then like the epicness of like, um, were stunning and surprising. Like one of my favorite shots in the movie is they show the, um, the old hollowed out Tyrell headquarters that isn't lit up anymore. Like there's nobody oh, in there. Yeah. And then he flies past it to go to the Wallace headquarters, and it's like so big that it's like, un- it's like an unfathomably huge building that just goes into the stratosphere, and like it, miles tall. It does such a awesome job with the world building and set design and stuff like that, where you know you may not 
know the original movie and can get tons of joy out of just seeing all those visuals. But for the people that, you know, do know the original, you can see that reverence, even though, like, oh, there's uh, Tyrell or whatever there, which was a huge, like, mega building. But Wallace, you know, 30 years on, it's this huge, monolithic, ominous structure that's, like, you know, right. five, ten times bigger. Um. Yeah, I I agree, Gideon. I think it's probably like one of the best ways in which this carries forward the tradition of the original is like storytelling with the visuals without saying anything. They tell you or world building, world building via like background. You know, uh, the seawall stands out to me. Yeah. Um, obviously, the San Diego dump uh, stands out mm -hmm. to me, but it tells you a story of like what if you took the worst aspects of today's world and you like turn them on and accelerated them now you know obviously i don't think 2049 is going to look like this but you could imagine if you ran the clock for 100 or 200 years yeah oh we would need a city-sized jump to support yeah. los angeles or mm -hmm. uh uh let's see the other thing is all the smog and then even the snow and the snow scenes are beautiful but the notion that it snows in because we're in la right Right. It doesn't, it doesn't snow in LA. So it's mm. saying, it's telling you something about like, we're in a nuclear winter or we've so yeah, changed right. the climate that. Yeah. The climate know. is so fucked because of us. But the yeah. movie never comments on any of that. The right. characters don't say anything. It's, it's, right. it, it's, it's pretty incredible what they accomplish here. And like, it's, it's it, it is what it is. Right. Another thing that I would like to point out about the world about the world building that I absolutely love and I think is kind of an understated aspect is that it is not 2049 as a vision as envisioned by people in 2017 when this movie was made. It is 2049 as envisioned by people in the 1980s, like right. when 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 the original Blade Runner came out. So there are companies around <clears throat> that aren't really around in the same way anymore. We see giant Atari logos. We see logos for the car company Puget that that French brand Peugeot. yeah yeah Peugeot yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh like I, when when Ryan Gosling's in his car or in the in the in the police scanner yeah. Yeah. um the interfaces like the computer interfaces in the Blade Runner world are very like MS DOS like lines of code base there's no like graphical user interface in any way that like we would think of it because that hadn't been invented like in the early 80s and that's a really interesting part of this universe where there is some kind there is some technology that strikes us as like crazy futuristic like joy but there's yeah. a lot of technology that strikes you as like almost old school you know like yeah. like there there's no like flat screen monitors like everything is like a big crt monitor you know my my favorite example of this, Sam, and you know, like maybe they were like taking the piss, so to speak, but like how they kept scenes in this film where people are like enhance, move, move uh -huh. ten degrees to the left, zoom in. <laughs> like what the fuck is that? No one does. Mm -hmm. that. In the future, we still need to CSI or I don't know. Right, you because if they did it today, it would be some guy with pinch and zoom. Right, he'd be like using gesture based like Minority Report. I have to assume they were making a joke and they're like, the Blade Runner fans are going to get a kick out of it. Yeah. Well, remember, it, I'm sorry, Sam, but re yeah. remember in the original Blade Runner, like Deckard is looking at a photograph on, on, on like the special camera and he's able to like, yep. go around a corner with it. 
so yeah. yeah so yeah like through a mirror or some bullshit yeah yeah like i i, I think that it's one of those like it, it it's alternative advanced technology i'll just say though like the the scenes they're showing us it, 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 this isn't that interesting from a filmmaking perspective, so I won't, I'll be brief, but like the future is not unrealistic. It's just the time scale that seems wrong. Like, I don't, right. I don't know. Right. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. It seems wrong uh, from, from what we know now, how the technology advanced from 1980 to like, let's say 2049, or even like 2019 right. with the first film, we know that things didn't progress that quickly, but in the logic of this universe, the progression from 1980 to 2019 to 2049 makes sense. I mean, things evolve way more rapidly in the Blade Runner universe than they do IRL. But but I I guess what I'm trying to say is like none of it seems impossible to me. Like mm -hmm. I don't know. I can, I won't because it of the last so believable. Years, right. It could happen to us in 200 years or uh, yeah. thousand years. Or so, I don't know. Dude, like, okay, aside from the part where they're walking around and, and Joy is just able to be projected anywhere, the Joy shit is not that far off. Like, am I, oh, like, yeah, yeah like, the believableness of it. Here, you could debate. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. but, like, the, yeah, the, just, also, side note, maybe this is just me, Maybe this is just like a weird conspiracy theory I have about this movie. Does anybody think that Joy is spelled J-O-I because that's a popular abbreviation for a category of porn? I wasn't even aware of that. I okay. think it might be a reference, that. but I think it's yeah. also... Uh, so the... Jared Leto's like henchwoman is named Love L-U-V. L-U-V, yeah. yeah. Right. So, so the irony is very apparent there. I, I, th mm. I think I think it might be a reference, but I think that's not the whole reference. Right. It I, might. Right. Okay. Well, I, I would say almost like you know, they're not both replicants, but they're both artificial, right? And love is LUV, right? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. a product or something. Yeah. That you buy online, and yeah, that like a category on a right. digital website or whatever. Yeah. Or a product that you buy or a pill it, or whatever. It's like poetry. It rhymes. You know. It. Uh, it. It hits yeah. on a bunch of different levels. So this is, I was actually going to make a comparison and, and I was going to say it sort of rhymes, right? Because the central question of the original Blade Runner in my mind is something like, what does it mean to be human? Mm -hmm. And they explore that through this notion of the replicants. And I think the replicants come out of the zeitgeist of the 80s, which is like, we're thinking about clones, we're thinking about robots, et cetera. Like how far will technology go? And then in our era, they're exploring those same questions, but with artificial intelligence. And, and that's sort of like joy. Joy is a lot like, um, what's the name of the leading gal in? Anna de Armas? No, oh. no, no, in uh, the original Blade Runner. Rachel. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think they're sort of exploring the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. See, when this movie came out, the a lot of the discussion, I mean, and I certainly don't want to get into this discussion, but a lot of the discussion online was about, like, if Blade Runner was about what does it mean to be human, then Blade Runner 2049 is like, what does it mean to be a woman, right? Like, does it, like, is your identity as a woman defined by the ability to give birth, right? Which is, like, the central mystery of this movie is that, like, 
you think like you you spend seventy five percent of the movie with Ryan Gosling, think with him starting to suspect that he was the miracle child, the first miracle child of a human and a replicant, and like what the consequences of that are as a society. So, I mean, I don't I don't subscribe to the fact that there's like a correct interpretation of movies. I think you can take away from it like whatever you want to take away from it, and I also think that largely like the things that people take away from movies are reflections of their own thoughts and like their own uh, anxieties and things like that. Um, So that's like not what I took away from it, but certainly like those are themes you could, one could take away if they were, if they were so inclined. Although I, I think Denny Villeneuve has denounced that particular theory as being like, that's not really what I was going for. Which theory, the question about, like the 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 central that the central idea of that the movie is asking is like what is it what does it mean to be a woman and i don't mean that in some sort of like matt walsh daily wire kind of way i mean just like just in 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 terms of like pregnancy and like what is you know if that's like a defining characteristic and things like that i don't really buy into that interpretation like i said but that's like a lot of what the online discussion was about when that's and like whether this movie thing. was the pe- people were like there was a lot of feminist critique of this movie when it first came out i was getting more at like could joy without a body be human and what was you know sort of like the her relationship mm-hmm. we've all seen her i mean Ab- joy calls back her in a pretty strong way mm-hmm. oh yeah definitely so in 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 line with that it, it a few just a couple of thoughts on joy so she, so she she's like the advanced uh alexa in this universe right like you know she she runs your home for you and she, anyone can buy a joy i mean yeah. we see a huge billboard advertisement for her mm-hmm. yeah so so on the one hand like she is a designed product like um you know like you know if if you're a fat disgusting slob like me would joy like me? And I think the answer is yes, even though I'm a fat, disgusting slob. Um, I've seen this guy squat like a machine. He's not a slob. Uh, <laughs> He's being over, humble. You haven't been over to my apartment in a while. But, we'll but and, and, and so th- there were a couple things. Just So on the one hand, um, so spoiler, she somehow hires a prostitute for our protagonist k which to me implies that she has like access to his bank account or what have you or her own bank account who knows yeah or or that's all so on the one hand so if it's his bank account it's like did you like give am like the equivalent of amazon the right to like make purchases for you through this right do you think he's paying like 69 credits a month for joy uh, it seemed <laughs> to me that like it was a one-time purchase because anyway, yeah, he was like a bonus from his madam or whatever. Yeah, but um, at the same time, or or in your but you know, to Alex's point, like, do, does she make her own money? If so, how and <laughs> why? But um, so so again, like. There's the first question of like, does she just like K because she's designed to like K? Um, but she also seems to have some kind of like free will and 
uh, like actions that you would you wouldn't think that somebody would program into this kind of like servant AI where like she says erase me from the database if the police come they'll have access to all of my memories and information so you need to mm-hmm. take take me with you so that I can't betray you mm-hmm. which which yeah. to me is which is like okay it's like you you've Humanity already like, transcended yeah mm-hmm. That's right that. by the way oh go ahead get in uh, I was just gonna say that that to me feels like kind of as like K progresses and almost kind of becomes his own person, let's say, or uh, come or, you know, finds his way or whatever you want to say. That to me feels like, like his relationship with that particular joy is genuine. And K is like rubbing off on her into like her finding her own way to evolve into some kind of free will or something like that. Let, let's avoid using the phrase rubbing off on in <laughs> I don't mean it I don't mean to nitpick, but before we leave Joy, uh, and, and overall I think it's a fantastic film and, and I don't dislike the Joy character, but like the notion that you could buy an AI from a company and then you could ever trust it to not be like trying to influence you on its yeah. terms, absolutely absurd. Especially like, Wallace of all companies. Right, oh, yeah. you know I mean? right, like the real the real like joy, if there were a world where this is real, the real joy would be like, I don't know, maybe maybe you should just go uh, turn yourself in, you know? Or it would be a fed. It would be a fed. Or a fucking glowy. Yeah. There's no It would be exactly like the current year, 2023, where any girl who's interested in me is probably a plant or a robot or a fed. So it (laughs) maybe the or at least selfishly pursuing your wallet on some. I mean, I I think that serves Neil's point though. Like the the whole relationship between Joy and Joe and Mariette, or I'm sorry, Kay and and Mariette. Um, it it's just kind of like symbolic of. The, the like nature of identity that real and artificial can have and whether or not it can be transcended in any meaningful way. Yeah. I also thought, um, sorry, just one last thing to mention, uh, like with the uh, world building, world building that Alex talked about, Joy is like a very successful Alexa type product because the people that buy it are so depressed because they're like stranded on this dystopian hellscape that is San Diego or wherever the fuck they are, you know, and they can't live a nice life like off world or whatever. So it's like, well, I guess I'm going to, you know, live with my fake girlfriend and, you know, every day is gloomy and, but at least I have my joy or whatever. Well, you know, some, something you said about, um, kind of not to rephrase not to reuse this phrase that i know is just forbidden but about um joy rubbing off on k what i kind of realized while, while um you guys were talking about that was that k's arc on screen in this movie is very similar to rutger Hauer's arc in the original movie that we don't get to see that much of because he's not the main character and for years a lot of the criticism i'd always heard about the original Blade runner was that like man, I wish this movie was about Rutger Hauer because he's way more interesting than Harrison Ford's character. And with this, we kind of get that movie where it's about a replicant realizing his own humanity and realizing like what it means to be human. Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's definitely some truth to that. Like, we get to see... There's 
no doubt that I think this is a more perfect, flawless movie than the original. I don't know if it hits the same highs for me as the original, but it definitely doesn't hit the same lows. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm moment. at. There's no moment in this film that hits the tears in the rain scene. No. There, also, the other big high in the original Blade Runner is the confrontation with um, Tyrell, I think. And yeah. I don't think we get anything quite like that. We get some almost like, and I hate to nitpick, but like almost some like marvely fist fights where I'm like, why is this in here? And mm-hmm. maybe you can get away with one of them, um, but, but there's like three or four. Um, yeah, but I totally agree with that assessment. It is like, it's hard to like pick on any single part of this film and call it unnecessary or poorly done. So I think if, if it's hard because to market this movie, I mean, even though it totally bombed at the box office, to market it in the way that they, the only way that they could, they needed to have Harrison Ford and they needed to have like oh. some of the old cast. But I think he is the weakest part of this movie. Yes. Bringing him into it is totally unnecessary. They could have, they could have made it about not about Rachel, not about Deckard. They didn't touch any of that old shit. They didn't. They didn't need to touch any of it, outside of like, hey, we need these people on the poster for marketing reasons. Um, so I think it would have been stronger if they would have avoided going to Las Vegas, avoided the Harrison Ford plot line. If he was just the son of a random person and a random replicant, like they don't need to be the Marion. The, the Joseph and Mary of this universe, right? There's, I, I just don't, I just don't see the reason for that. And yeah. I think, I, I, and I, goofy when they, I think when in they the, yeah, yeah, I think in the future there's going to be some laws against bringing, like, not Sean Young isn't even dead, but like bringing back younger versions of actresses with, with like weird looking you just ran out of the uncanny valley kind of cgi um I, that stuff wigs me out and i wish people wouldn't do it and i think that scene kind of sucks but um that's the, that's virtually my only problem with this movie is them bringing back all the old shit yeah. you cut that shit and you lose 40 minutes and it's a normal runtime <laughs> right yep like uh, going into this i i just knew that harrison ford was going to be the worst part of the movie mm-hmm. and like, I, I didn't know exactly what how much he was going to be in it or uh exactly like how long but i knew in my heart of hearts they're gonna make him do an action scene and the man just can't do it anymore <laughs> he doesn't want to either he just hates his job he's he doesn't like acting anymore <laughs> uh i i am gonna say though my favorite action scene of this movie is when they're in the uh, like the the entertainment lounge of the Las Vegas hotel or whatever, and like mm-hmm. the Elvis show is like popping in on and off because it's like glitching out, and like all the lights are going and they're like fighting each other in there. I thought that shit was really? like not when they were punching each other because you know it's like like her, dude that guy's a robot. Like what, what? yeah, <laughs> visually I don't know that scene was cool. Harrison Ford really punched Ryan Gosling <laughs> in the face yeah. in that scene. I love that. <laughs> Look, can I just say, though, in defense, like, it's all ten times more tasteful than, like, any Marvel movie released in the last five years, and none of it's yeah. terrible. It no, just yeah. is, it's just, like, weak compared to the strong rest of the film. I yeah. Think. 
yeah, we're nitpicking. I mean, I think we're all yeah. going to give this movie high marks. It's just like, you know, if we had to pick something that, and, that we didn't like about it. And even, uh, or you can go ahead, Neil. You finish your thought. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, um, for me, even, um, you know, I, I didn't have too much affinity for the first movie. I do feel like every time I've watched it, I've probably seen it three, four times, maybe five times now. I feel like I like it more and more each time. But I'll never like it as much as I like Blade Runner 2049. Wow. I feel like I feel like Blade Runner 2049 for me is like Blade Runner perfected. And yeah. it's it's like way cooler. Like you could show most people this and they'd think, wow, like that was really cool or certain things. I'm sure there's things they might not like. But I feel like there's some seriously clunky things that I have a big issue with in the first movie. And it can just be a bit too cumbersome or awkward for me. Are you but talking I'm, about like where the robot does ten backflips and then screams at the top? I of mean, the there's oh, that. Dude, that part's awesome. What are you talking about? <laughs> there's like just um like Harrison Ford. The way they fight is a very strange, like sloppy, awkward mess at times. I feel like, and um, him like forcing himself on Rachel is like yeah, that yeah. doesn't didn't age well. Yeah, all this stuff. Um, but, but yeah, for me, I, um, I don't know. And and just the music that we get is so insane. Where like Blade Runner original, I I do love that soundtrack and everything. Um, but to me, I just I don't know. I love the sequel so much more. It just feels so much more refined. But we That's something have I without the original. So something I think is undoubtedly better in the original than this movie is the soundtrack. The soundtrack in the original is totally iconic and I can hum a bunch of different songs from that soundtrack. And in here, like it, it's a 2049 has a great soundtrack. And like when they're flying over the uh, like the seawall for the first time and it's just those big droney, the and, and like the water starts coming down and everything is just that. like that shit's awesome. And I also like the tasteful use of Tibetan throat singing in particular yeah. parts of this movie, like when they show the Wallace headquarters for the first time and it just goes, yeah. I love that. It's like, yeah. Yeah. With the Mongolian throat singing and like the synths and like the deep orange coloration in a lot of shots, I was like, this is just Dune 0. 0.5. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Denny Villeneuve definitely has things that he likes to include in his sci-fi movies. Love it. Yeah, that shit rocked. Uh, but I still think the soundtrack of the original is better. But Gideon, I agree with you that I think 2049 is a more perfect. Nice, dude. McDonald's. What you got from McDonald's, dude? Oh, yeah. uh, I got a just the standard nuggets and fries. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Interesting. Gains builder. Yeah. Right. Gains. Gains in a box, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Gideon. I think 2049 is a better in a vacuum kind of like more perfect uh less full of flaws than the original although there's a i, I don't want to say nostalgic for me personally but there's I, I think there are moments from the original that that movie is like stuck around for a reason and there are some moments in that movie that just i, I don't think have been replicated in 2049 um mm -hmm. although you know alex said something that you know like you feel the mispresence of Rutger Hauer in this mm -hmm. movie, like you feel him that he's not there. I think that 
they invoke his presence in the very last scene of the movie when Brian Gosling is dying out in the yes. snow. Well, they they play the tears and they they play yeah. the song. They play the tears and rain song with the ding ding ding. And how and like, dope is that? And you feel like his ghost, like in that mm-hmm. scene, like you feel the presence of Roy Batty, like the character. But they don't have to like have that Star Wars moment where they they pull out broke ass old Rutger Howard and they go, "Here, he showed up. Aren't you happy now?" Like it's just that performance of like a human. Something that is almost human, but not quite. Like Rutger Hauer hits the uncanny valley, not visually, but in terms of his behavior and performance. Mm-hmm. And no one is doing that in 2049, which maybe thematically makes sense because they say they perfected the blade or they perfected the replicant. Yeah. The, the performance that maybe comes closer that we could compare is the evil replicant that uh, yes. I forget her name. Love. Love. Love is. Uh, fantastically played, a uh, pretty her. interesting character. Uh, uh, standout scenes, um, probably the final fight comes to mind. Yeah. She says things like, I'm better or I'm the best or something like that. And like the, right. the, the pseudo sexual like, fight that she has with Kay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I really, I think, I think you're right. I think the actress's name is uh, Sylvia Hoax. Okay. Um, Love is, I think, easily the strongest performance in this movie. Like, people are like, "Oh, damn!" You know, the last the last good Terminator movie was Terminator Two. I disagree. Best the best Terminator movie is Twenty Forty Nine, dude. Like, she kicked ass in this movie. Um, super scary in every scene she's in. Like when yeah. they um break when when Ryan Gosling like breaks the thing that lets Wallace headquarters track where Love is going. And it cuts immediately to Wallace headquarters and she like stands up from the desk and she just like bolts out the door to like go find. I was like, oh shit, like it is on. No, um, th- th- that scene where she's like using a drone to like destroy that like scatter mm-hmm. tribe and she's like getting her nails done. Getting her nails done. And I was just like, um, I've got a, I've got a semi just from the concept. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You said best performance, Sam, and I was thinking about that. And the only, and I was like, really, is it the best? And then I'm like, who else comes close? Maybe Gosling. Yeah. Well, I was, I was gonna say because you mentioned um, the the Roy Batty uh, character and how he wrote that that line of you know Uncanny Valley. I feel like Ryan Gosling does so good and says so much without saying any words, and I love it. I love it. Love it when there's less dialogue just show me more and let me find mm-hmm. it let me piece it together let me read and rewatch these uh frames and stuff like that um i i love it when you can have a film like this where you can really dig into it and just like the original and you know i'm gonna be rewatching these my whole life and i feel like i'll never fully understand it or fully get tired of it you know or anything like that and I think that's okay, right? Like, and that's right. that's preferable to the reality that we're living in with Star Wars, right? Where there are no dark, shadowy corners of that universe anymore, because every dark, shadowy corner has its own miniseries and its own movie to explore what's going on. And the this like both the sad part about Blade Runner and the best part about it is that we get a new movie every thirty years and it totally bombs at the box office, so we don't get another one. But that's what's kept it pure this whole time, where your mind is free to explore all these themes and concepts and 
all the shit that's going out there in the universe. Like you, you could spend an hour talking about like what you think goes on in that orphanage, right? Where they're just sorting out tech parts. He's got all these documents or what was um, Dave Bautista doing at the beginning of the movie? Like he's a, he's a protein farmer. I want to know more about He's just farming like grubs. Yeah. He's, he's, he's farming basically maggots for protein, but like, how does that work? And how many of these farms are there if they're saving the entire population from famine? Like there's a million questions that are in every, it just bleeds through every frame of this movie to just to let your mind think about and why, why was Las Vegas nuked or right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Or I mean, the bigger question is like, what the hell happened where it's snowing in Los Angeles to our mm-hmm. to our earlier point? Like, what is up with the climate of this? And they they don't feel the need to explain all that stuff. And that's kind of like the beauty of these movies. Um, it, you know, I was it was funny. Grace showed me the, she sent me the other day a TikTok of uh, some somebody um out on the streets of australia just like interviewing like women on the street who are like lined up to go to clubs and they're like she's like okay what's a movie franchise that's a red flag if you meet a guy and he says it's his favorite movie and everybody's like blade runner (laughs) (laughs) oh my god (laughs) of course (laughs) that's so funny yeah 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 it's it's i think there's probably like some demarcation where it's like uh do you like ryan gosling pre-2007 or post-2007. Yeah. Because, if you, I mean, like, if you like Ryan Gosling as a man, like, pre-2007, that might be a different kind of red flag to a girl. <laughs> yeah. But post-2007, it's like, drive, Blade Runner. Like, uh, okay. Now Barbie. You don't, a, you don't get a second date. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah, I mean, just talking about the Goss here for a second. I mean, is there an actor among that generation with a better lineup of, of movies? I can't think of one. Like the, the dude just spits out classics. Like Drive yeah. is great. Barbie's really good. Blade Runner's good. Place um, Beyond the Pines. Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, Lars and the Real Girl. You have to watch The Notebook. I would. Be I'd, I, I'd love to watch The Notebook. Absolutely significant. We should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a more recent one. What else? I there was another one that was like between Barbie and La La Land. Oh, La La, 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 La Land! Yeah. I yeah, love La La Land. That movie is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I came one. out of the theater like fucking jazz hands after that movie, dude. That, <laughs> I was like so stoked about it's La La Land. Good. Yeah, that was really, that was really good. Um, what else do we want to talk about with this movie? I feel like there's so much to talk about. I feel like we barely yeah. scratched the surface. I. Go ahead, Neil. Two, two points. Um, number one, I just want to give a shout out to for the uh, cameo of the uh, pirate captain from Captain Phillips. Oh yes. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, but, the guy uh, who, looking at his wooden horse, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, when he's having his uh, baseline test, and uh, oh, like yes. the police officer, whoever, uh, calls him Constant K, mm-hmm. and my mid 2000s inner emo kid was just screaming you couldn't call him reliant k you <laughs> bastards <laughs> that's funny what were you gonna say paul i was gonna say I, I think one of the most overlooked uh meaningful scenes in this whole movie is when you get to witness the grotesque birth of a replicant child uh like happen wow. in real time 
Uh, it, it's such a like disgusting, but like intriguing, very, I, I think it epitomizes Blade Runner because it just goes back to the question of like, what is a human when you're watching this replicant, like, you know, all slimy and, and whatever coming out of nowhere. The sky, literally. Yeah. yeah. Good role for Jared Leto, right? Like, I, I, I was going to say, I forgot, but Jared Leto is excellent in this movie. Yeah. I did not like Jared Leto in this movie. I think I think it's it's I'm I'll be the contrarian here. I think it's Jared Leto doing his Doctor Evil impression, and I did not. Uh, it wasn't enough. I just I didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. but I, I Neil, don't think he's a good I, bad guy. Neil, I want to hear what you just said. Uh, I was just I was surprised that there wasn't more Jared Leto. Like he's only mm-hmm. in like two mm-hmm. scenes. And... It's kind of like Tyrell. It mirrors Tyrell in the original, where you don't see a ton of him. Mm-hmm. Go on, you. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, but uh, I'm gonna disagree with Paul. Like, I, I think this was probably one of Jared Leto's best performances. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, come on, that's it's not, not a high bar. bar. That's not. Yeah. A yeah. Well, this, this yeah. one feels like he's actually trying, though. Like, I, I think he probably wanted to be weirder, and like, I, I brought this up a lot again with like Nick Cage. I think Jenny Villeneuve was able to, you know, rein in his worst mm-hmm. tendencies and get what amounts to a, a, a good performance. Like he's meant to be weird in character, and so I think it worked out pretty well. I think he probably wanted to be worse than he was. Well, uh, to interject a little fun fact about his weirdness and his method acting shit, I heard he put in opaque contacts and was just blind, like the whole time so in that scene with harrison ford and he brings out rachel and everything he never saw harrison ford he had like assistants and people like help him get around set and shit honestly chad honestly i I think that's pretty dope and uh i used to be a big jared leto fan but he kind of gives me the ache these days i think he's running some weird cult in the desert or some shit but i do think he does a good job in this movie i give him props for that this this is going to hurt you all so much knowing this fact, and, but if I have to know it, you guys have to know it as well. Do you know who was supposed to play Wallace in this movie, but then couldn't because they died? Oh, I know. Eva, you go. You really? Hmm? Who? I said Christopher Lee. That would that would be a great choice. No, it was David Bowie was supposed to be Wallace. Oh, I did hear that. Oh, yeah. That would have been, been great. That would have been ten times weirder. Yeah, so awesome. He totally would have fit that character perfect too. Um, I thought Leto did a fine job. I would give him an A. I wouldn't give him an S. You know what I mean? Like he he was good. I don't like that line where Harrison Ford's like, "Well, you don't have children." He's like, "I have billions." I'm like, "Okay, whatever, dude." Um, you know, you know what Harrison Ford means. Come on, okay. And another thing I will say about Jared Leto's character is that. Again, speaking to the presenting a technology and then not explaining it to us, slapping the mahjong tiles on his neck, like she, like Love comes out and she's got like a whole wooden sleeve of mahjong tiles, and she slaps one on his neck, and it summons like the fleet of what we can only assume are like eyeballs, and we never see it from his perspective, but there's like six or seven of them floating around. It's like he's seeing from all these perspectives at once. And one of them is like right in Joy's face. It's like right here. Like 
that concept like th that that's another thing that i think blade runner does so well is that like it will show you a really amazing future technology concept and that not explain it to you at all beyond your own wonder of being because like you know if it was a if this was star wars or it was a lightsaber we'd have to go into details of exactly how all this shit works right but they they just show it to you and then they let you kind of just figure think it out about it and figure yeah. it out yeah it's just awesome awesome shit it, and it's usually ominous and vague <laughs> it's awesome I'd love to get everybody's least favorite part of this movie. I know what mine is right off the top of my head, so I'll just go ahead and say it. It's when I love the shit when when um, Brian Gosling goes to the orphanage and they shoot him down with the kite gun that gets hit by electricity and it like it fries the circuitry in the in the spinner and just crashes. Love all that shit. I like him talking to the orphanage guy. And then there's like this five minute long scene of him slowly walking through the bowels of the orphanage to go find the wooden horse that from his dream. That scene goes on so long and it's so boring. That's my least favorite part of this movie. And with a close second being the scene where they bring out CGI Sean, Young, like younger Sean Young. I think that shit blows. But those are basically the only two scenes in this movie me, that I really have that big of a problem with. Let me, let me grab next, Sam, because I actually appreciated that scene you say you hated. Okay. Um, I, I kind of thought, like, a lot of films will, and maybe this is what Sam would like, given what we know about his film proclivities. He would have liked mm -hmm. if they just had, like, a cutscene where Ryan got, they quickly flashed the horse image, and Ryan Gosling and said, is this the place where I left my horse? Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I thought they gave that like due time and they really played out the kind of like strangeness that you would feel in that moment mm. I won't pick a scene per se I will say there are a few moments that feel unearned as if they are trying to pack too much story into like three days of actual time and I will say the main one is the AI sex scene like what? Why would this happen at this time in this man's life? It just seems kind of like we wanted this scene in the movie. It doesn't make a lot of sense from a story perspective to me. Interesting. Okay. So like popcorn, yeah. or yeah, whoever. I mean, so I, my my thing is like I'm going to disagree with you and say that that scene is actually important. Mm -hmm. Um, again, because it's expanding on you know like uh. My my point is that it's like not believable, not that it isn't meaningful. But go go on. I mean, I I think it's important for establishing like or you know raising the questions of like what is joy, and how much like joy is humanity basically. Like, is she a person or is she a program? Because you know a certain amount of that seems to stem from her desire, not just to, you know, be a good companion to k but also her desire to try and experience these things um i would like to say that i like the scene purely on a special effects basis and i don't care about the story or the the implications of of this scene and that i just think it's awesome to watch and i have no idea how they did it sorry continue yeah i think it's a very interesting scene visually as well but um one one note that i have is that uh uh, I, I don't know the character's name, but she's the replicant prostitute that Joy, like, inserts herself over. Marriott, yeah. Yeah, yeah Marriott. Yeah, um, and uh, the, every time she was on screen, 
I just got like the sensation of she smells like a wet dog. There's no. Oh way yeah, <laughs> that dog. jacket is rank. And, like, and then she's like trying to sneak out in the morning. She like she's putting on her boots and she's like she doesn't have socks. Like I remember in high school there were girls wearing UGG boots without socks and like they would take them off and it was just the worst thing in the world. Like th- th- this woman, oh man, just there's no way nasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just thank you. But it was the best joy I could afford. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anybody else? Scenes you don't like? Scenes? I'll say so. It doesn't. It does not necessarily count as a scene. Uh, but hardcore fans of this podcast will remember that in one of the earlier episodes when we named off all of our tropes that we dislike in movies, one of mine is used here. Um. You don't have to try that hard to make Ryan Gosling look cool. And I think they did so in one of the most uh, regurgitated ways in cinema history, which is he drinks bourbon and listens to jazz. Uh, That is one of my least favorite tropes in movies. Uh, I mentioned that in one of the first uh, episodes of this podcast. Uh, I just I think. I'm sorry, I get annoyed when they do that in movies. It's not really personal to Blade Runner 2049. I just think, especially when you have Ryan Gosling playing the role, it's not really needed. Um, And then just another scene that kind of made me confused and uncomfortable, maybe. Uh, I I apologize. What's the name of Kay's, like, head officer or his boss again, that woman? I I just call her Robin Wright. I, 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 I know they call her madam. Well, so so there's that scene where she comes to see him and they're drinking together and then their conversation becomes slightly flirtatious or at least her behavior towards him. And she's like, oh, what would happen if I finished that bottle? Over I was going to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Well, like, is the deal with that? I, yeah, I don't know. Because I, I thought that was strange on the rewatch, too. I was like. It it was just weird that this very like strong female character. I was like, why is she making this pass at Kay seemingly out of nowhere just because she's drinking? I guess like, yeah, yeah, knowing that he's allegedly a replicant and has a very very strong like sense of duty and like would not probably would instinctively not be receptive to any kind of advancement like that. Like he's right. not a joy. He's not a. I, I wonder if there's a male equivalent to joys. But I don't think Kay is that. Lieutenant mm-hmm. Joshi is her I name. Mean, mm. I mean, I don't think that like K uh, is like inherently like asexual or whatever, or replicants are. Well, no, he fucks the the prostitute. Yeah, Joy. I, so, so like I, you know, I think she would. A, I think she fully believes that he's a replicant. Like she doesn't have any indication that he's not a replicant. Like, mm-hmm. Well, she watched his uh, baseline tests and stuff on her yeah. computer. Yeah, like, like he, he is a replicant. We are led as the audience to believe for a while that he isn't, but she, she's she got no reason to think that he isn't. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't think that replicants in this universe are asexual in any way. Seen with Joshi, I almost think more like she's taking advantage of him. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. It just felt kind of out of place and and bizarre and and out of character a oh. little. I mean, because she yeah. always does have this affinity for him, but it doesn't really feel sexual or even romantic in any way until that scene, and that kind of just threw me off guard. 
And I was I curious if other people felt the same, which it seems like Gideon, you did. Yeah, I, that's spot on how I feel about that. Yeah. Doesn't love do the same thing to K in the in the deep um, the record keeping bit of like so Brian Gosling goes to Wallace Corporation. He meets the, the the weird guy at the front desk. They try to find something. And she's like, no, this is in the back files. This is downstairs. Doesn't love kind of like get a little flirtatious down there? Uh, I think that was more just her trying and failing to use her sex appeal to like mm, okay. war him. I don't think that was genuine from, from love. But okay. But still it would, I mean, so we see that happen twice then where like somebody for one reason or another is like, pressing k in that way and he's basically just like you know yeah, thought yeah. control yeah yeah like, well because we, we have the scene with i'm sorry Gideon, but we, we have the scene good. at the climax where uh love stabs k and then kisses him and he's like mm. i'm the best mm. so and I, 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 no i i think like yeah. it's it, just a femme fatale thing I think. no i i don't i don't think that that's what it was like i don't think that was like a you know goodbye uh you know like i'm like I, I, I fooled you or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that there is like a pseudo sexual aspect to her. Uh, mm-hmm. Like she says, "I'm the best," and it, like, but that's like her telling herself, not mocking right. him, because she, like, I, I think like within this setting, she sees him as a rival because you know he's constant K. He's very good mm-hmm. at what he does. Like, uh, I forget who, but somebody posted a meme in our uh, Discord chat of. <laughs> Harrison Ford saying, you know, I had your job, I was good at it. and it's just Harrison Ford getting the shit beaten out of him in the previous movie. <laughs> you know, uh, Kay has that scene with Dave Batista where like like in the, in that case we know that they're both replicants. Um and Dave Batista is like obviously larger and stronger looking, but Kay does come out on top. Like I, I, I think that there is like, you know, which, which one of us is like the toughest son of a bitch out here? And mm-hmm. so her being sexual towards Kay is like, like on some level, mm-hmm. like that, you know, I'm I'm looking for the strongest mate out there, but we don't mm-hmm. actually mate. So now I'm asserting my dominance by killing you. She's almost it, like primal in that way. Yeah, it it should also be. It's also a throwback to in the original where Roy Batty kisses um, Chris after she's already dead. And then he kisses Tyrell right before he like oh, gouges yeah. his eyeballs out. It's like yeah, they're just all Italian. It's more normal. All replicants <laughs> are. Well, uh, but but realistically, I think sex and violence are like the same thing in this universe. Mm. I was gonna say, Neil, and maybe this is an opportunity to explore that as well. Like replicant sexuality is a really interesting and deep topic, right? Because replicants are essentially slaves. And so some models do manual labor a la Batista. I mean, the yeah, they, the they, they have dedicated pleasure models. Like, yeah, he's not a sexy, Batista's not a sexy guy, but it speaks to like... Says you. Have you seen him? Yeah, yeah speak for yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, I, it is strange. Why make a replicant... Isn't Brian Gosling like a sexy, like a man of the year or something? Like, why why does Kay need to look good? Why not just build a robot? Do you know what I mean? And maybe Blade Runner falls apart if you pick it apart this much, but maybe there's an answer there too. I don't know. I would think his attractiveness would only help his effectiveness. Right. I agree. I, I, I think that part of it is uh, like 
a like you said i think the story does kind of fall apart if we don't have at least like like so we, we we've got the question of like is can joy be a person and, we, and we've got regular humans and in between we've got the replicants where it's like okay that's our stepping stone like if we can accept that k is a person even even though he was created how much further are we willing to go but i also think that that's one of those things where the blade runner universe has so many like lore questions that they never bother yeah. to answer like why do we need so many combat models are we fi- like is humanity fighting yep. other humans are there aliens nobody knows we, we never we never found out what the tannhauser gate was mm-hmm. you know like, yeah not important yeah uh, like it, yeah. It, so but I, I think there's a so in this setting i think there's the there's like the uh, philosophical question of like what makes people human and then there's also the like you know uh if we made us if we made like a expendable workforce would we want that would you want to be you know talking to faceless automaton all day or would you want you know like that into your job there's a handmaiden's tale version of this world where like all the women robots are pleasure models and super sexy and then the labor robots are like faceless machines. Mm-hmm. i can mm-hmm. see it I don't do you know. guys get the see because because this brings up another interesting point that's never explicitly i think discussed um and something that i actually wasn't really thinking about a lot until recently with the rewatch of the original and this one do replicants read to you guys as like if you cut open a replicant does it bleed like are they organic on the yeah. inside they're like fake organic it's not like you cut it open and it's the terminator inside there no, they I... not answer this question in blade runner one i mean in this one they do Gosling bleeds mm-hmm. yeah right i i got the impression that like but i know what you're asking it's an interesting right question. Well, neil. sorry neil go ahead no, I, i'm sorry I, I actually feel like i'm overtaking this conversation no much. please but yeah you're fine I, I i even in the first movie i got the impression that like even the combat models like Rutger Hauer, like they're still fundamentally biological. They might have some sort of advanced, uh, like, like hyper muscles or something that makes them stronger and faster. And, and like we, we see, like there's the Chinese guy who, uh, right, yeah, with the eyes, make, makes like custom parts. James Hong. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the you know. They're they're bred for a specific purpose, basically. Like again, breeding being the wrong word here, but mm-hmm. yeah, like the, you know, Rutger Hauer and the lifter guy—they've got hyper dense muscles that allow them to the trans to transcend humanity, but they're still fundamentally like a human being. Or right. Well, don't they even say them. they're they're more human than human yeah. in the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't think if you like. Slashed a sword across Rutger Hauer's face. It's gonna like you're gonna get a Terminator face underneath it. I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't get. I didn't get that. But I I just. I was recently thinking about that. I was like, oh yeah, are they? And and we kind of see one organically born in 2049. So I think that gives credence to the like this is some sort of organic, biologically engineered things that thing that comes out of a fake womb. Well, gene engineering or something. Yeah, even with the protein worms in the beginning, it sounds like Wallace Corp in general is like just a mastermind at genetics. And I believe like like that whole scene of the replicant being born is like that is 
a human perfected, but it doesn't satisfy Wallace. Like this, this is the only time I feel like I ever watched the scene and fully got it. But it doesn't satisfy him because even though it's essentially a perfected human, the thing that's missing is the reproduction. It doesn't work like how they want it to. You know how he wants them to be trillions more and everything mm-hmm. like that. Gideon, does Jared Leto's voice performance in this movie remind you of the G-Man from Half-Life a little bit? Tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the vibe I always get when I'm yeah. watching. He's like, we should be billions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it talks it, like a snake. Uh, I just want to mention, that this movie just feels like, does this unit have a soul, the movie? Where it's like, what does it mean to be born? And... And I, um, or, or human, or what does it mean to be a replicant, you know, as we watch Kay do all this shit? Um, and even like who all is a replicant with some things? Because I was going to ask, but, uh, that stripper or uh, prostitute he has sex with, is she a replicant? Because, well, because before they go over, her friends are like, like he's a Blade Runner, you know, like be careful basically mm. and and i think she, she is but okay right she shows up with like the replicant resistance oh yeah, and that's right she's in that group yeah oh okay yeah see i i think the reason i didn't think she was because she has that line where she's like oh you don't like real girls yeah but that's the whole thing yeah. i was saying in the beginning where they draw this right. new line because now there's a third tier of not right. real okay. people i, I see AI i see what you're saying right okay and even and even uh, just to quickly touch on that sex scene, I think it's and how we kind of talked about you know different female characters almost like making a pass at K. It seemed to me it's like what was most important for him is trying to evolve his own existing relationship with his AI girlfriend to the degree of you know he takes her off of the home console. And is like, you know, you'll die if this thing gets destroyed. And she's like, yeah, just like a real girl. And that's what he wants. To have her be as real as she is to him, as he feels, as he can get, you know. And yeah. even though he, he's maybe not sexual, I, I feel like the whole sex scene is like he's just doing it to be closer with uh, Joy. Yeah. Dude, I love one of my favorite lines in this movie, in like a really kind of subtle way is when she goes out in the rain for the first time and and she she you know she like has the experience of being out in the rain and she's like i'm so happy with them when i'm with you and he's like you don't have to say that like yeah almost embarrassed at like how much joy seems to like genuinely love him he's like pressing back against that a little bit uh in a weird way where he like he doesn't want to embrace that i thought it was like a really real Mm-hmm. moment out of a and you don't get those in like big sci-fi blockbusters that much no. that often so i mean what a what a blessing this movie is i just um, love how, how contemplative this movie is it's such a yeah. a movie you can watch by yourself and just think and yeah. just think yeah yeah you if 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 you need to convince um somebody of you being completely self-masturbatory then blade runner 2049 is a great place to start <laughs> and I, I say that as the biggest fan, you know, right? Um, so what do we, 
what do we want to give this movie in terms of a rating? Paul, if you don't remember, we're one out of four. Uh, starting next year, we're going to be. I think we're going to be moving to a to a five star system just to keep it consistent with Letterbox. I mean, we have to, we have to discuss that next episode. But I'd love to get a get a rating from everybody. For me, I mean, obvious five out of five. I love this. The first time I watched it, um, I really. How about out of four, out of four out of four for now? Or, or right, yeah, four four out of four. Sorry, four out of four. Um, I was thinking ahead, <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. Um, I I do feel like I noticed some gripes I had, even like the CG with Rachel. I feel like is really good until they shoot her. I feel like it it doesn't look as good as when you see her originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that scene, um, I agree with you talking about the factory being. There's certain like scenes where it's just kind of slow and a bit meandering. Um, I wasn't even crazy about the Elvis fight too much, or some a, a mm-hmm. lot of the Harrison Ford stuff. Is, it's like some days I'm sure I love it, and then other days I'm like, yeah, this it's is like, yeah. What? How how many shots in this movie are Ryan Gosling slowly moving through an environment? It's like, oh yeah. my god, that's, they could have cut thirty minutes off this movie. No, <laughs> they cut the Harrison Ford shit, leave the slow environment shit. Yeah. Okay, Neil, how are we feeling, man? Yeah, like I, I was a little daunted by the runtime going into it. Uh, mm. I, but I did, I, I didn't feel almost three hours. I, I felt like pacing and all that stuff were great. So, you know, we, we can joke about it and like, yeah, you need to set aside three hours in real life, but it, it, it doesn't drag to me. Um, yeah. Like I, I can't, I can't give it a full four just because there are a couple of issues but it is still like you know it, it's it's three and a half plus like it's not it's not perfect but it's right super super strong right by by your own metrics it's like hey it's not seven samurai but i really liked it <laughs> all right paul i i was also going to land on three and a half uh you know pretty similar to what neil said again i would not recommend watching this movie for the first time on a flight um but watching it the second time on a flight really really helped the the time go by because like neil said it does not feel like a three-hour movie uh it's it's very very compelling it's very immersive um but yeah you know still like it's not harrison ford's best it's just not as best, uh, and and it's it's not without its faults. Although there are a few, so I, I think three point five is probably a pretty safe place to land. Okay. Okay. Last but not least, uh, it's so hard. I think I got to give it a four. Um, okay. I gave the original a four. I think there are parts of this that are extra. But like like you could do away with, but nothing's bad. Uh, like others have said, I, I sat down to watch this at like 2 p.m. in my basement, and then when I went upstairs when it was over, it was dark, and it didn't feel like that much time had passed. Yeah. Dude, I, I remember, I'm sorry, you commented in the comments, you're like, I'm going to watch it in two parts, and I was like, no, you are not, and I knew <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah, it was fantastic, and I'll just say, it, it's a 4.0, and it's a certified show your dad. Uh, film. The only problem is like you also have to show your dad the original Blade Runner, 
and he'll like that, but he will not get this scene with like the, he won't get the scene with all like the, the animatronic, like tiny people and shit. Home again, home again, jiggity jig. Yeah, you'll yeah. like everything except for that. Yeah, so I don't know. Four dot, I would show your dad. Yeah, God, I could never show my dad this movie. He'd be like, <laughs> would, he, would he beat you? Dude, yeah. All I remember is like when I was a teenager, I was like more into Lord of the Rings than I am now. And I like showed my parents uh, Fellowship of the Ring or whatever, like the normal, not extended edition, mm-hmm. whatever. And I just remember it was like over, and the credits started. My dad just like silently just like walked upstairs and slammed the door. Oh <laughs> my god! Yeah, my, dad, my dad read me The Hobbit when I when I was a little. Yeah, kid. yeah. My I, my uh, parents parents do not go in for elf shit. So, yeah. it, kind of bad luck with me. I tried to kind of show my dad this movie kind of so like we were at a hotel and we were flipping through channels and this was on uh and uh what network did they run blade runner i I think it was we were just in a hotel and there was like a movie channel i think i i really don't remember but it uh, it it just happened to be on the elvis presley fight scene Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is a play. It's uh, Harrison Ford. Come on, Har- Harrison Ford. And like, watched like five minutes of it. It's like, this is weird. I'm going to do something else. And I think that may have tarnished Blade Runner for my dad is just landing on at the exactly the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, can you imagine being alive in 1982 and being like, oh, there's a new Harrison Ford action movie coming out? You go to see it and you see fucking Blade Runner. Yeah. And you come out, you're like, I don't know, man. Like Raiders of the Lost Ark had just come out like two years before that or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of silly. Um, I am going to land on a three and a half for this movie, I, whereas I gave the original a four, which is weird because I already admitted that I think that this movie is like more perfect in some ways. But to me, it just doesn't reach the emotional highs and like the the those things that you can't. Um, you know, there's this um, there's this quote that I really like that uh, talent hits a hits a target that's hard to hit, and genius hits a target that nobody else can even see, and that is exactly the difference between these two movies to me. So, like, twenty forty nine is the work of a very talented filmmaker who did something really tough, which is like making a satisfying sequel to the original. Um, that paid homage to it, but was also like a much stronger movie. And he, and he, I think he did that. Um, I don't think Ridley Scott is a genius by any means because he's made too many shitty movies for that to be true. But I will say he got lightning in a bottle on the first Blade Runner. And there are some scenes in that that are like, you know, the you know top five scenes in the history of any movie I've ever seen. So, um, kind of hard to compete with such a classic and, and it's so influential and you know just the aesthetic of it i i prefer the aesthetic of the original movie actually to this one i think that 2049 kind of like it it looks great but it looks like like it looks like dune right i mean it, they they it looks similar to other modern sci-fi movies in some ways whereas nothing looks like the original blade runner but yeah i'd go three and a half obviously strong recommend a strong but a specific recommendation mm-hmm. um I, but yeah, that's. I, I want to hey, say I. A, oh, go ahead, Gideon. Uh, real quick. Um, I do think it's a coin flip for which one you're gonna like more, 
you know, I, um, and depending on which one you see first, I mean, obviously I wanted to see the original first. Um, but man, yeah, what a treat to just have both of these awesome sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, go this ahead. This relates to my question, Gideon, which is like, would you ever recommend this film to someone who hasn't seen the original? And I think we are pretty immersed in the original. Mm-hmm. I actually think there's a lot that wouldn't make sense or wouldn't carry to someone who hasn't seen it if they just watched the second for the first time. I I would, like, if they were only going to see one, I'd say, sure, like, you can watch 2049, but you're going to be doing yourself a disservice by not watching the original. Even for the minor things of how it pays homage or gives reverence to, I feel like it does a great job without being like weirdly campy or just like, oh, here's remember that thing from Blade Runner original? Here it is. You know, I don't think I think all that was very well done. Oh, it's an ATST. Did you see the ATST in the background? Do you remember <laughs> that from Return of the Jedi? Yeah. The the the, the member berries in this movie are well done. What yeah. what do you think, Sam? Would you ever recommend twenty forty nine to someone who like or would you say you have to watch the original first? I would say I I would I would very easily recommend twenty forty nine without watching the original. Wow. Like okay. I like if, if somebody was if I was gonna give somebody like a really specific recommend like I don't know. I think I think the original Blade Runner is such a hard movie to recommend to people. Like there's like a weird Harder rape scene in the middle of it. Oh no, not harder than a racer head. No, but um, yeah, I actually funny funny you guys bring this up because I uh, I recommended the guitar player in my in one of my bands watch uh, Blue Velvet and he messaged me thirty minutes into the movie he was like what the fuck dude <laughs> <laughs> it was just a picture of like Dennis Hopper down on the ground in front of Isabella Rossellini in that one scene and he was like dude what the hell <laughs> so. Um, like 2049 is just a stronger, better paced, better, easier to watch. Easier to it goes down a little smoother than the first one. I could see myself recommending and and then saying, "Hey, and if you want more of this universe, go check out go check out the old one." Yeah. Lead the core of Blade Runner is that Roy Batty performance. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the core of the first one certainly right. Do we need to do a Rucker Hauer like series? Should we watch? I've it? never seen him in any other movie. I know. Same. Okay. Yeah, possibly somewhere down the road. Well, um, so stick around for a minute, guys. We'll talk about what we're about the list. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and end the episode there. Thanks everybody for your thoughts and opinions. I thought it was a good one. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.